0: What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, and today is October 31st, 2019. The World Series is over. We have a new world champion. It is the Washington Nationals. Never thought I would be saying that sentence, especially this season back in May when they were 19 and 31. One of the best comeback stories in sports, really. Today's going to be a really cool episode. I actually am doing something a little different today, and I'm very excited. We're going to be recapping this World Series, and there'll be plenty to talk about. But before I get to our guest, which is Chad Votherine, I'll tell you more about him in a little bit. Last week, we had an interesting conversation about the Strasbourg rookie card and I said stick around for the next episode. I'm going to find out a little more information about it. I've got a guy joining me now for just a second before uh, Chad joins me and he is a big-time collector. He's also a pro tennis player. Aaron Hiltzik. How are you doing, Aaron?
1: What's up? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to talk. <laughs> so
0: aaron you have spent a lot of time collecting cards that's correct right oh yeah
1: oh yeah back in the day like just i don't know how much money i spent but my at least my parents money but yeah it's just it was crazy it was i don't know how many cards i have thousands it's just more than thousands it's crazy <laughs> so i would like you to tell
0: us all about the Strasbourg rookie I believe, and yeah. I could be wrong, have you have you ever seen a rookie card that was as expensive as the Strasburg rookie was back when he was a rookie? Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, the, so the crazy thing with that card, it was like there's no, um, you know, some cards they'll be like printed where there's only 500 of them or you know, there's only 200 of them or something. This one, there was no like print of like the actual serial number. It was just a, he just didn't sign many of them, so we don't know like how many he actually signed I think it was like around five hundred, but um you know he was the big shot coming in, and basically there there's like no chance you're gonna get one of those cards like <laughs> if you found one, it's worth like I think at the time it was you know eight hundred bucks or something like wow. that for you know a rookie car that the guy's done nothing yet yeah, and uh so yeah, one day I'm just at the shop and it was actually my so my dad he you know he opened the box with me and uh basically we we couldn't believe we got that card um <laughs> i just couldn't believe it and then we got it graded and everything and just i mean yeah
0: so where is that card now you still have it
1: yeah it's in my room yeah i, I it's like yeah i got got it right in my box um yeah. So that
0: card, have you ever seen a rookie auto? So that was a rookie auto.
1: Yeah, it was just like a regular signature, yeah.
0: Yeah. So have you seen any other rookie autos in this this decade from players that if I guess really guys who have played in this new millennium any cards up to that value?
1: Um well yeah, do you, do you know the Mike Trout card? <laughs> you know that yeah. one? <laughs> yeah. So I I had uh that that's it's it's a sensitive subject, but yeah, so I <laughs> I I got one of those cards. Um rookie uh rookie autograph of Mike Trout and um it was at the time it was like $30 when I got it. Um and then I would say about 2 years later, I decided to sell it and sold it for like $850, which was crazy. Yeah. And then now if you want to check on eBay, you want to check a Mike Trout rookie autograph. It's like 6000. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's something that hurts, but um, you know, you you never know what will happen with these guys. But um, I did once get to see him play at a minor league game, and he signed a bat for me when I was like, you know, fourteen or something. So <laughs> that makes up, up for it. Of, definitely makes up for it. So. But yeah, with the Strasbourg, it's uh, that was just it was the most special type of card because I just couldn't believe like I actually pulled that. It was it felt like a Willy Wonka type of
0: thing. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron, you are one of my brother's best friends. My brother, Tim Vita. Tim, he texted me earlier and he said that the Strasbourg, just a plain rookie, was worth forty five. It was going for forty five dollars on eBay before he ever mm-hmm. played a professional game. And then he said a Yelich version of the same card, who is now an MVP, has never reached yeah. that same value.
1: Yes, which is just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, it's amazing.
0: That's crazy. So, yeah, I guess we were just curious about the history of what made that Strasbourg card so special. It was primarily
1: the hype on that guy, right? It was just all hype. Yeah. You just, you know, he was in the first overall pick. The guy threw like 100 miles per hour. Um, and then I remember, like, right when he, he had his first game, he threw, like, 12 strikeouts in, like, six innings or something. People were just, like, they just couldn't believe what this guy was, you know, saying he's yeah. next Nolan Ryan. And, I mean, he's, he hasn't had a bad career at all, but, you know, he's had injuries, and, but he's, I mean, he's phenomenal. But it's just kind of crazy how, you know, even how successful his career has gone. Like, his car's has just gone down in value.
0: Yeah, definitely. When did it take for that card to start to dip a little bit, and what's it... Prior to these playoffs, what would what do you think it'd be going for?
1: Um, so yeah, basically, uh I think it probably was I think when he got injured, he was like out for a, a whole year with like Tommy John. Yeah. That's kinda when the car just like died. Um mm-hmm. uh, but I mean I remember I saw some I think I saw it at like fifty, sixty bucks at one point, but now now it's going back up a little, which is good. I thought it was like one twenty. May might be, you know, might be going up a bit more, we'll see. But I'm holding that thing forever, though, because I mean, just the, the, the memories of it, just that feeling like, I mean, I'm holding all my cards just because they all have specific memories from my childhood that I just remember. Just not Mike Trout. Yeah, just Mike <laughs> Trout was the one that I sold and really pissed about that one. But then again, I had one other that I'm so proud of this one selling because I've barely sold any of my cards, but I sold a uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka. Oh. It was like some crazy patch autograph number to 10 when he was a rookie and he was like hyped up, sold it for 500 bucks to some guy in Japan. Now that card's probably like 30 bucks. (laughs) So it all, it all, you know, turns around
0: before I'm going to let you go in a second, Aaron. Do you want to get any thoughts in here about Strasburg and winning the world series MVP? I just thought it was a really awesome story to see this guy, uh, the transformation of his career, because, yeah, I do think at one point people were just a little bit disappointed um by the fact mm-hmm. this guy's good pitcher, multi all-star, but never really a Cy yeah. Young winner. And now the yeah. culmination of getting to that goal of winning a World Series and being that franchise's first ever World Series MVP. I thought it was a great storybook ending for this season.
1: Yeah, I think it's unbelievable. Like just uh I mean the adversity that he's had to face and then um, finishing off that—I mean, I think he even should have gone with the complete game in Game Six, which was—I'm I, I, not really sure why they let him off. Maybe at like a pitch count because I think he threw like 104 pitches. But um, I mean, that, that's pretty sick though. Just to see goes five and zero in the playoffs um, really just amazing to see. Yeah, I, I
0: agree. I thought we'd see him in that ninth inning too. I was a little surprised we yeah. didn't. But hey, great performance nonetheless. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this was very informative and we're going to have to have you come back sometime soon.
1: Of course. Yeah. I'd be happy to hop on. (laughs) All right.
0: Um, good luck with tennis, everything you're doing right now.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it, Jack. Oh,
0: one last thing, buddy. Um, anything you'd like to plug or promote while you're here? Want to throw your Twitter handle out there or anything like that?
1: Uh, actually, yeah. One thing, uh, yeah. I mean, I started that side business with my brother that we sell the top brands in athletic recovery equipment. Um, so it's called recoveryforathletes.com. Um, so I've been working with that. We've It's kind of crazy. We've done like 1.3 million in sales in the past year, which has kind of been my little side hustle from uh, <laughs> tennis and it's just been blowing up. So if you guys want to check that out, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> check it out, guys. All right. Thank you so much, Aaron. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Jack. So that was great having Aaron call in and just tell us all of the story behind that legendary Strasburg card and how fitting to have that segment right after he wins World Series MVP, the Nationals win the World Series. This is just a storybook ending, uh, but let's get to the main event. Today, I have an excellent guest joining me who is in a little bit of pain right now. He's from the Houston area and he's joining me all the way from Texas right now. Uh, co-host of the Cheap Seats podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Does a great job over there. We'll talk more about that later. Chad
2: Vothereen, how are you doing today, Chad? See, the normal response would usually be, Oh, I'm doing well, or I'm Jack, I'm doing great, but honestly. You kind of touched on it already. I can't really say that it's the greatest day. No, I'm I'm kind of kidding. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little hurt. I'm a little upset uh, that the Astros, you know, with a 3-2 lead after, you know, very impressively coming back from a 2-0 deficit, a 3-2 lead going into game six, and they still were unable to get the job done at Minute Maid Park. Uh, so, dude, Jack, I'm in pain right now a little <laughs> bit. I, I cannot even – I can't – why?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah i do have a little bit of pain
0: just it's it's not really there yet but it's going to kick in in about a week or two when there's no more baseball to watch on tv there's nothing no baseball until february chad
2: yeah yeah that is again this is like probably the saddest i think time period of the year uh because there is no baseball you know obviously i think with, and especially with college football NFL I, we were kind of talking about it earlier. I still I love those sports and I enjoy watching them but without baseball it you almost feel a little empty. I know like kind of both of us are you know very avid diehard baseball fans and so it's gonna be uh, a slow next couple of months but hey it's gonna be right around the corner spring training will be right around February you know but we'll be okay. I, I think I think we'll make it through.
0: Yeah, and the the listeners know. I mean, it seems like the last 6 to 8 to 10 weeks I've done a baseball episode almost every single week. So, maybe some of them are ready for some new content. We'll see, and we'll talk about what we may have coming up here later in the show. But that kind of made this season a little special to me, Chad, because last year at this time, last year I had a podcast but I wasn't every week because of my health and I needed to have thyroid surgery but being healthy this year and having a podcast and being able to just log this entire baseball season what a treat it was it was so much fun
2: oh uh, yeah I absolutely I mean I've I only was able to cover, you know, the last couple of months uh, on my podcast, but it this was a spectacular baseball season, it, you know, and I'm happy for the Astros that they were even able to make it back uh, as reigning again uh, ALCS champions and now they're able to make it back to the World Series. So obviously it's upsetting, but you have to applaud. Uh, especially my Astros for, you know, how far they have made it in a couple of the acquisitions and smart moves they made throughout the season. I remember we talked about yeah. uh, the trade deadline when they got grinky uh, the last time I was on your show. And so very monumental, I think, for the the season. It kind of already wraps itself up as, Zach Greinke, you know, he pitched in game seven last night for the Astros. And so they certainly, I think, used him <laughs> yeah. uh, to the best of their advantage and ability. But uh, but overall, it, it was a good baseball season, Jack. It really was. Uh, more home runs hit than any other season in history. And it just seems like that number is climbing and climbing. So, yeah, it's a very offensive uh, MLB season, I guess we could both agree on. But yeah, it was very exciting, and I think more fans now are, you know, buying into more the home run style, the you know, strikeout or you know, hit one out, I guess. But yeah, I, I can't complain. It was a great baseball season. Chad, you're touching on so many different things that we're gonna have to <laughs> go much deeper into. Absolutely, we we have a lot to talk about, which which is why I'm so excited again to be back on on your show, Jack. So it's gonna it's gonna be good.
0: So first of all, Chad. You did mention, last time you were here, trade deadline. So you cover the trade deadline with me. And since you've been doing a fantastic job over at your podcast, which we will (laughs) give a good plug for in this episode. (laughs) But Chad, last time you were podcasting with me, it was my birthday. Today it's Halloween. When's the next (laughs) important date that we're going to be
2: podcasting together? So... I mean there are, Thanksgiving's coming up uh in about a month or so which I will definitely be available if you end up doing a Thanksgiving show I don't know if you are or not but we can talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh there's also you know there's you know the Christmas holidays uh some of the winter holidays and there's also my birthday Jack is on January 11th. Oh. And so that will be right around uh, I believe college the, football uh, like championship. the yeah college Football National Championship it last year it was like the day a couple days before my birthday and so maybe we could do a show then. I don't we have to I think the trend is um leaning towards we have to I have to be back on your show on the next holiday. Yeah. Um, that we can <laughs> it has to be at some type of significant date or holiday, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, we're we're at that rate. So Chad, you have professed your love for the Astros here. And I'm just gonna turn it over to you. Last night, game seven of the World Series Nationals won. Uh, what was the final score? Six to two?
2: Yeah, final score is Nationals six, Astros two.
0: Six <laughs> to two. It was tight until the very end. Howie Kendrick came in clutch. Big time home run. What What do you want to talk about here? What's your takeaway from this series? Where do you want to go? As an Astros fan, what is most important to you to talk about here?
2: Well, I think uh, overall this series, first of all, we should mention that there's such an unusual world series i think uh if you haven't talked about it uh yet or recently i believe i talked about it on my show this is the first uh championship series in history or i think postseason series in history where all seven games of a series have been won on the road and so that that's absurd of its own you yeah. know, each team taking all their games on the road so that that was really surprising but I don't know, maybe that started some type of new trend for road teams. So we can kind of recap and talk about that as a whole. Uh, In terms of Game 7 itself from last night when I was watching, uh, a little because the thing is with, I guess, more of the new style of the way that uh, managers and pitching coaches have been uh, more strategic in pitching certain pitchers, especially in playoff baseball, the decision to remove Zach Greinke – after uh, he pitched phenomenally, after just what I, I think six and a third, or maybe six and two thirds, they pitched him out. He only gave up two earned runs, but he he still was great, and he really set up the Astros to you know do well throughout the entire um, the rest of the baseball game. But still, the decision to remove Zach Greinke, I know that maybe he he was getting in trouble when they removed him, but still, I think they should have kept him in. I didn't see any problem with it, and. You, what I'm referring to is the style of managers and baseball teams, uh, kind of doing a, a pitching in a bullpen style game, meaning you know they're going to pitch one pitcher for one out or two outs, and it's not traditional baseball. And I think. Maybe AJ Hinch, uh, the Astros managers, maybe influenced uh, to take him out because he wanted to. You know, maybe he was even warming up Garrett Cole, who never um, got an appearance in game seven. Uh, he was also maybe thinking about Justin Verlander, was technically available. He could have pitched one or two outs uh, because AJ Hinch mentioned that in a pregame uh, show before the World Series. And so, you know, he possibly could have pitched, and he literally pitched like the night before. And so we're seeing this new style of pitching that's kind of changing you know, the landscape of playoff uh, pitching in baseball. And so, and I'm not sure if I'm completely on board with it. Uh, me being more, I guess, a traditionalist, I would say keep Grinky in, let him finish that inning. He probably would have gotten out of it. And he made some phenomenal plays uh, in the field as a pitcher. And so I think he probably could have turned a double play or two, um, you know, to finish out that inning. And that, that, it was just kind of upsetting for A.J. Hintz to remove Grinke when he was pitching so well against the Nationals.
0: Yeah, I didn't love the move at the time. Uh, I was watching the game over at a friend's house with some family friends, and someone predicted it. He said, after the home run, he's like, all right, Greinke's going to walk this guy, and then he's going to get pulled. And that's exactly <laughs> what ended up happening. Right? <laughs> um, I would have gone with Greinke. I mean, he was at, what, 75
2: pitches? Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't even mention how many pitches. I think he threw 76 or 75 or so, something like that um and so he he was still he could have gone maybe even another inning if he were to get out of that yeah. inning and i i feel like he would have he zach grinky does a phenomenal job job of uh getting ground balls and you know turning double plays i mean he turned like two double plays himself last night yeah. so he would have gone a ground ball at some point uh probably in that next at bat before they pulled him but he never got the opportunity to show that hey like he is locked in this is zach grinky game seven that this is this was his time to shine, and he, and Will Harris had even struggled the previous night before. Um, he had given up, you know, a couple of runs and a home run in Game Six, and then Will Harris they sent him back out again, and he gave up that big home run, and it was, uh, for, from Anthony Rendon, and so that that just wasn't great either. I'm not blaming it on Will Harris in any way, but right. I think I think Greenke should have been he, he should have stayed in that ball game in that seventh inning. Okay, so.
0: I want to agree with you partially on this because I don't like the move of taking Greinke out. I do think it's always tough to bring in a guy, high leverage situation, runner on first. Was it runner on first or runner on second?
2: I believe it was uh, first and second.
0: Yeah, runners on first and second. And this is the World Series, Game 7. Everything's on the line. I think it's always tough when you do the bullpenning thing. Um, Or when you go to your bullpen, every time there's a pitching change, a guy has to feel out the game and prepare himself. And so I think if you have a guy that's cruising, that's a huge advantage rather than having more than sometimes like if you do the bullpenning thing, let's like Tampa and Mm -hmm. Houston wasn't bullpenning, by the way, uh, just to be clear. but. (laughs) Tampa, when they bullpen, that's like nine different guys that have to get a feel for the game, and you need all nine of those guys to contribute versus just one guy. So that's where I side with you, Chad. However, what I will say in A.J. Hinch's defense, and you watched it all these playoffs, Will Harris, he was amazing down the stretch. He struggled in game six. Maybe he was a little tired out. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, Chad. He threw a good pitch. To Howie Kendrick, that was a good pitch. That was really hard to hit. It was a, I
2: think it was what a curveball outside, a little low, and yeah, he, he really had to stretch out. He just stuck his bat out there, really. So and you know, it I mean, because it hit the foul pole, so it barely went over the fence. But I mean, Howie Kendrick was a strong guy, but that was an unbelievable piece of
0: hitting. That's my takeaway from that.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, in Howie Kendrick, I don't he. I mean, because we saw it in, in Game 7, I believe, when it was against the Dodgers. And so I th- I guess this was just his really his year, <laughs> which he kind of came out of nowhere. He's been in the league for so long, but is, I guess he was able to do that. But, I mean, without a doubt, Will Harris is probably our best relief pitcher. I think him as well as Ryan Presley uh, are probably our two best relievers that the, the Astros carry. And... That, that's the thing that is so impressive that it's still hard again not blaming it on will Harris but i mean throughout the postseason he pitched so well and throughout the regular season he was one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball but with the kind of the game six uh scare a little bit uh, i you know it it might have still just messed with his head moving over to Game 7 because, you know, nothing really had changed. They were both in very similar situations where they got two runs on the board early in both of those games, and then they put Will Harris in immediately after his starting pitcher, and then he just kind of, you know, I mean, he, he it was a good pitcher, right? But... I mean, Granke could have very
0: well thrown that pitch. That is I think that, that, that is was a, just a great piece of hitting.
2: It, it was, and, and that's, that's why baseball is so exciting. I mean, yeah. because... You know, we, we, I mean, we're taught, we're not, you know, like ragging on the pitchers, but I mean, we're talking so much about the pitching side and I'm so happy that you did bring up uh, Howie Kendrick because I mean, he, he just did his job. You know, there's really not a whole lot that you can do there, I guess. Uh in and, and, and also Anthony Rendon, by the way, hit, well, yeah. what a world series that man had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I want to talk about Howie Kendrick for a second okay. here uh, while we're here. Chad, you say he maybe came out of nowhere. I don't know what you meant by that, but I I think Howie Kendrick has been one of the underrated hitters in this league for a very long time. He's a lifetime 294 hitter. This year he bet at 344. I, di- I did know that,
2: yes. <laughs> Which I mean, I think he's only he's what? Uh he's only been on one all-star team. And you yeah. know, he in in like the way he the way he has been hitting lately he has been an all-star but I mean he you know he's not always I think he's overshadowed uh by you know a lot of other uh you know big leaders and everything and a lot of maybe quote-unquote better hitters but the fact that he hit so well did, did he did he win the batting title I'm pretty sure he did
0: uh it doesn't say i don't I, I don't, think I don't so. know if
2: he had enough at bats Okay. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, he he only had like I think less than four hundred or so. So he probably didn't. But but still, very I impressive. I think Yelich
0: had the batting title. Oh, you're
2: you're duh. Yeah, he no, he definitely had the batting title.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at his numbers, and how Kendrick. I mean, I think the reason you talk about why has he not been talked about because he doesn't hit homers, and that's what you touched on this at the start of the show. People are falling in love with the long ball. And this year, he did hit 17, but typically, a lot of these years, it was like he hit 295 and hit 8 home runs. Those guys aren't celebrated. This series, Chad, what I think brought these two teams here, neither of these teams struck out a whole lot. Both teams, high contact, put the ball in play. Small ball with the Washington Nationals, a lot of Trey Turner, infield single, steal second base. That's the kind of baseball that I love. I love seeing balls in play. That's the game I grew up loving. I don't love the home run obsession with, all right, we got it. We're either going to have a strikeout or a homer. I think the game's more exciting with the balls in play. And I think that's something that made this series very exciting. So a guy like Howie Kendrick, he's been an
2: unsung hero for this team. <laughs> and he definitely was this year. Oh, absolutely. And, and you are right to bring up that point. I mean, I think, Max Scherzer only had what three strikeouts, and then I think Zach Greinke maybe had two or three strikeouts. I know the, yeah. the previous game before the strikeout champion Garrett Cole barely had any strikeouts. So, I mean, yeah, you are right. The they I was very impressed with you know how good of uh, eyes like some of these hitters had throughout the series, uh, especially the Astros because they're usually. Uh, They usually strike out more uh, and they rely heavily on the long ball. But uh, I was impressed with both of these teams' uh, plate discipline, uh, especially with a lot of the youth from the Nationals lineup. I mean, you talk about, obviously, Juan Soto um, and Robles as well. And even Trey Turner um, was in – they both very consistent um, in terms of just their plate discipline and watching balls and taking pitches uh, throughout the series. So – that, I think that is definitely something that we should I'm glad that you brought that up that we're highlighting uh you know kind of the outside of the norm from the entire baseball uh league or season versus you know this specific World Series well I think it's the recipe
0: that the Astros had with these pitchers who strike a lot of guys out that is ideal for facing the Yankees like I'd never thought the Yankees stood a real great chance against the Astros right. I just think that they were unfortunate that they had to play a team that is so good at putting the ball in play and hitting <laughs> for contact. That I think if they had gotten maybe the Dodgers or uh, maybe the Braves or you know another team that is a little more dependent on the long ball, I think the mm-hmm. Cardinals would have made this series really interesting because they're all about contact. So I I think it wasn't a great matchup for the Astros. Or I guess it. I think it was a great matchup in general, just these two teams, but it wasn't the most favorable in terms of what the Astros have, what they can throw at you with their starting pitching. I think they would have been much better served facing a team like the Yankees again.
2: Absolutely. And you even talk about, I mean, the the Nationals or the Astros, like in game seven, they both had nine hits. And so, I mean, they, they put the ball in play, you know, plenty full of times, but when you talk about just in terms of striking out as well, as just, you know, continue to put the ball in play. I mean, at the Astros, they get a lot of hits because they have a, such a high-powered offense, but they do strike out a lot. And so, but, you know, on the pitching side, I mean, they had, you know, what, the top three of the top 10, I guess, pitchers in, or in ERA and in win certain other categories. And then, obviously, Verlander and Cole, well, I think both top five in strikeouts. And I think the AL, they were number yeah. one and two. So Yeah, 300 uh, each. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> R- really crazy. It definitely definitely different approach for the Astros, I think, they had to take. Chad, do you know where they... You mentioned
0: that the Astros do strike out some. Do you know where they ranked in terms of league, in terms of contact rate? Because I would think they're at least th- top three, top four.
2: I- I'm not sure, actually. I, uh, I don't have any numbers uh, specifically. I know historically, within the last couple of uh, years, when they've started to hit more home runs... Ah, uh, they do strike out way more. Ah, uh, but yeah. Um, but I well, I think actually, well, this season I think was um, I believe they had the least amount of strikeouts this season. But within the past yeah, couple that's seasons, that's what I thought. Did, did they? Yeah, I believe they had the least yeah. amount. of So they but- and
0: when they won in 2017, they had the least then too. And then last year, the Red Sox were third, uh, in terms of contact rate. Of contact rate. So they twenty wow. eighth in strikeouts. that would mean. Wow. So. <laughs> I think we're seeing a trend here, Chad.
2: You are seeing a trend.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think what you got to do is you need to play to your strengths as best as possible. And I think we saw some of that with the pitching. I'm going to transition to something here on the Washington side. The Nationals did not have a good bullpen. And right now, the trend is bullpenning. But really, you can only do the bullpenning thing if you have the bullpen for it. If you have the Rays bullpen or maybe the Oakland Days or you could throw maybe the Yankees in there because starting pitching was a weakness for some of those teams. Not, I wouldn't say starting pitching was a weakness for the Rays, but their bullpen was their best strength. And when you play to your strengths, good things happen. And I think with the Nationals, they did not have that kind of a bullpen. And so they basically had six guys carry the workload for this team the whole way through October it was unbelievable I can't remember anything like this
2: (laughs) no yes I mean seriously because and that's why it was I think it was so important that Scherzer did pitch in that uh game seven because I don't know who they would have started in game seven if they didn't have Scherzer they probably would have had to just throw you know another random guy in there for game seven and so that's why it was so important and he he did really well for the Nationals and so I think Yes, they do rely so heavily on their starting pitching. And, I mean, to, ha- to have Scherzer on the mound, which, by the way, I, I touched on this in my show. So I guess uh, I a lot of people were uh, s- uh, speculating, I guess, if Scherzer's neck was actually, you know, hurt or not, so that he could pitch in game seven. But <laughs> I-, I don't think people realize how physically tough Max Scherzer is. I mean, that man has pitched through so many illnesses, you know, He's he's been hurt several times, and he. He does not. He does not miss a game. He literally does not. And so, for him to not pitch in a World Series game, for him to be sidelined, that he was not messing around. But you know, for him in Nashville, obviously worked out. But it was that was so important for him to pitch in that Game Seven. That
0: seems so hard for me to believe because we have the best reporters in the world, and we oh, don't absolutely. get Ken Rosenthal or Jason Stark or John Heyman saying. Oh, Scherzer actually he may have just wanted like, you know, if this is just some theory from online. Scherzer was not able. He was barely able to get out of bed on oh, right. Sunday.
2: He couldn't he couldn't even get dressed this past yeah. weekend.
0: Yeah. And like, why on earth would they want to be down three two going on the road? Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, the only logical explanation is that they knew of the road baseball trend in the World Series, which. I don't think anybody knew that coming into this series anyways. So <laughs> there's yeah. no way. There's no way. Yeah. And so
0: he takes a cortisone shot on Sunday or Monday, which numbs a lot of the pain and enables him to be able to move. And I heard this interview on high heat with Mad Dog Russo on Monday or Tuesday, they're asking the nationals pitching coach, is he going to pitch game seven if you get there? And he said, if he can move, he, he's going to pitch. Because he could not move, uh, with those back or the neck spasms or whatever was going on there, so it was. I think Chad, to tell you the truth, I was kind of wanting to see like a Kurt Schilling bloody sock type performance. <laughs> it wasn't <Right. laughs> that, but Scherzer gritted through five innings and kept it close. It was they were only up two nothing
2: uh, at the end of those five innings. Very impressive. And uh, I'm 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 also interested uh, on your thoughts on uh, Steven Strasburg uh, winning the uh, World Series MVP award. What are your What are your thoughts on Strasburg?
0: Well, the Strasburg story is just really a storybook, if you ask me. It's kind of like Chad. I'm sure you remember. I mean, you were you're a little bit younger than I am, but back in 2008, 2009 when he got drafted with a number 1 overall pick and just oh, he was he was a phenom. <laughs> yeah. There was a mad amount of hype on this guy. And when you have that kind of hype, that can hurt you in a way cuz there's so much pressure, so much expectations and there's a bullseye on your back. People want to go deep on Strasburg. And so the story with Strasburg up until really this year I think was okay. This guy's a good pitcher, but he hasn't been that Cy Young type pitcher. I'm sure he's, he probably has received Cy Young votes at some point, but I think he's only made about three all-star teams and he's been around Mm -hmm. for now a decade and he turned into Madison Bumgarner in these playoffs.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, he really did. I mean, I, I think he was well-deserving of the award and I mean, Pitched phenomenally in Game Six, and so I mean I, I I think I think they gave it to the right guy, uh, especially just as you said, he was really the anchor of their uh, of their rotation throughout the whole series, obviously, and so so yeah, I, I think they did give it to the right guy, and I I do remember I remember the hype, you know, on this guy so yeah. much. I remember when he made his debut, he had he had like fourteen strikeouts uh, in his MLB debut. I think they played like the Pirates or something, and the Nationals they still got. I think they got shelled I'm pretty sure but um I mean once they removed Strasburg from the game in his debut but he had like 14 13 or 14 strikeouts in his MLB debut and yeah. so we always we always think of Strasburg, Strasburg as oh this guy he's you know he's Cy Young contender he's this one of the best pitchers and statistically he's up there but you know but then that, now it's kind of slowing down the conversation's slowing down but I think obviously with the World Series with him winning the award I think that kind of you know, puts everything into a reality check again. Like Strasburg actually is a very good pitcher in the league, which which he is. He and he proved that to us this past week. Well,
0: he was amazing in these playoffs. He had sub two ERA. Uh, I th- think he won every single one of his playoff starts. I want to say.
2: Yeah, I, he. I think he went undefeated. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable! It was S. Really, I think it's interesting because. I defended Clayton Kershaw on here a few weeks ago, and I, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But he has gotten criticized for not delivering in the same way in the postseason, and some of it's fair. Some of it, I think, is a little bit overstated. And I think mm-hmm. the because th- there has been good moments from Kershaw in these playoffs. He's had some great moments. Uh, people remember the bad, but here's the thing. I feel like right now the way the conversation is shifting just from the fans, people are more enamored with the championship performance than the regular season performance. Maybe it's always been that way, but Bumgarner has never he's never been a top 3 Cy Young guy. I don't think he has. I mean, maybe he's finished 5th in Cy Young voting, something right. like that, but he's been the best postseason pitcher of this decade. So for Strasburg, I think it's like everyone's like, "Okay, this is this was great." And to see a guy like this who had so much hype on him deliver in this way, it's kind of like they watched this kid grow up into a man and now is the World Series MVP for their first ever World Series team. Just a great storybook story.
2: Oh, absolutely. And on, you know, the opposite side of the spectrum, you look at, you know, Another a Cy Young Award winner, even an MVP Award winner, and Justin Verlander, who after Game Six, I believe he he has like a five six five seven World Series ERA, and I think he's now zero and six in his uh, in his World Series career, and that's even dating back from when he was with the Tigers, as well as the twenty seventeen World Series, he didn't win a game, and so so I mean you're looking at a for sure hall of famer you know potentially first second ballot hall of famer pitcher in verlander and he can't win a game in this several yeah. world series that he's already played in
0: thing with verlander too i mean chad did you see are you aware of what his first inning era was in this world or in these
2: playoffs uh i'm not i, I don't know if i want to know it <laughs> was it pretty bad 15 flat uh, yeah no i believe it <laughs> don't i don't want to believe it, but yeah that's <laughs> Which is so uncanny of Justin Verlander in the regular season. I mean, that guy, he he went seven or eight almost every game that he pitched throughout this regular season. He was untouchable. But I, playoff baseball, man, it's its something different.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really is. So really, I feel like from the Nationals, and if you want to talk about who could have been MVP, really, I, I just look at this team as just a team. So many different guys having big moments in these playoffs. If it was an award for the postseason entirely, I think it's got to be Howie Kendrick. He had the two biggest hits of their season. He hit a home (laughs) run last night that ended up winning them the World Series, and he beat those pesky Dodgers, finally beat the Mm. Dodgers, and came through, won their first playoff series ever since becoming the Washington Nationals. So... It was, I think you could have chosen him. You could have looked at Soto. You could have looked at Rendon. You could have looked at Strasburg, maybe even Corbin after what Corbin did last night. Corbin was the one who was the lights out. People are going to, it seems like people are going to forget Corbin in the mix of this because we saw what Strasburg did throughout these playoffs and rightfully so. Historic. He had a historic performance. And then last night, everyone's going to remember Scherzer and gritting through that injury but people might forget what Corbin gave to them in the late innings of that game from innings six through eight uh gave them three great innings and the Astros were not able to build onto their lead in that time that really played a big difference maker in this
2: yeah I I think you know from him not getting a start in that game last night I think you know a lot of people probably you know or just weren't reading all the way through it. You know, he was just being kind of used, I guess, towards the end, but he, he did his job and he accepted his role. And that was so critical because if they had maybe kept in, uh, Scherzer longer, or maybe had, uh, you know, brought in another relief pitcher, the Astros could have easily, you know, come back and tie the game up or even taken a go ahead lead later on in the ball game. But that was so important. the fact that, you know, the Nationals was able to put up several runs from seventh, eighth and ninth. And, so critical, obviously, in a game seven of a World Series. So, yeah, I think you know that definitely has been overlooked. I've not I've listened to a couple of you know, little podcast things and watched you know a bunch of MLB and Sports Center this morning, but no, and no one has mentioned Patrick Corbin. So, so I like, I like that you brought that up. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and I should
0: also mention, like, if you just want to list off those six pitchers that the Nationals used obsessively almost throughout these playoffs. Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Sanchez, and then their two relievers who are actual relievers, uh, Sean Doolittle and Daniel Hudson.
2: Yeah, I, I Yeah, we, I mean, we, we only saw Hudson and Doolittle, really. So, uh, yeah, heavy on their starting pitching, which wasn't necessarily the full story for the Astros, I guess especially because several starters struggled, um, you know, those first two home games as well as even, you know, game six and, you know, not game seven, but, you know, all of our home games for the most part, besides game seven. But, but yeah, <laughs> definitely different approaches for both their pitching staffs. So last night was more
0: important for the Nationals to win than the Astros to win. I think you would agree with me on that, right, Chad? Because the Astros got their world series two years ago and, You could look at this Astros team, and we can talk about both these teams. But uh, first, real quick, would you agree with that, Chad? Do you think it was more important for the Nationals to win
2: last night than the Astros? Oh, I would 100% agree with you. um, As much as it hurts to say, but I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, the Astros. Because the thing is, I'm I'm not completely against the Nationals, uh, you know, knocking out the Astros in the series because. Two years ago, as an Astros fan in the 2017 World Series, I was in the same shoes and you know the same position as a Astros fan as a Nationals fan just was uh, last night because you know because the 2017 title for the Astros that was their first franchise title in history and I believe what it hasn't been since I, th- I think I saw something like 1924 since um, a Washington D.C. Uh, team and that was with like the Senators way back then has won a World Series. Uh, and so, and obviously, as the franchise, you know them being a newer franchise, they haven't won you know any playoff baseball up until this year. And so and, you know and, and again, Bryce Harper somehow predicted it. Uh, they they literally you know, brought the title back to DC. and so it it, it was Ooh. definitely way more important for the nationals. i'm I am very happy for them because going up as an Astros fan, those brutal, you know that br- 10 or 11 year stretch after the 5 World Series where, You know, we lost 100 games every year. I know what that's like, especially not you know when we didn't have a title back then. And so, so I'm I'm happy for the Nationals and their fan base. Uh, I actually really am. Okay,
0: so that's the first reason as to why this was more important for the Nationals. I'm gonna give you number two. No one seems to be talking about this. This Nationals team could very well lose Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg this winter. Strasburg has an opt-out clause. I think he's going to cash in on that. I think he can make some great money. There are a number of teams that are starving for starting pitching. You could look at the Yankees. You could look at the Phillies. You could maybe even look at some teams who have been big spenders in the past, like the LA Angels. Um, and there are a number of teams, maybe the Brewers want to get in on that. Starting pitching is highly sought after. So you're going to have Cole and Strasburg, I think, are both going to be on the open market So the Nationals could potentially lose Strasburg, and they could lose Rendon. Now you look at, what is the window? Is the window, now you got to start maybe looking towards the future with this Nationals team? Like, maybe they're still a good team, but I don't know
2: if they're a World Series team without those two. Oh, absolutely. And not to mention, they're also most likely going to lose at Jubo Cabrera, and then... Uh, and I think Ryan Zimmerman. I think his contract ends this year as well. And I, cause well, I think I remember. Can you picture him in another uniform? That, really? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I I don't think he'll go anywhere. He's been there since what, like '05 or something. So I don't I don't think he's going anywhere unless he retires, uh, which wouldn't be the worst thing for him to go yeah, out in style. Yeah, go out on top. And yeah, I mean, and he's still a solid third baseman. He's like, I think he's like 35 years old, 36 maybe, and so he still has a couple. Well, he years.
0: mainly plays first now.
2: Yes, yes, and so um you know and so that that's I don't think that's main I I think he still has a couple years in him but um and yeah he'll definitely have to continue to play first if he wants to really you know stick around there but um but yeah I know this definitely a huge loss for you know potentially for the Nationals in losing some of those players and really the only big name that uh the Astros will most likely lose after this season is Garrett Cole which uh, I don't know if you're watching any of the uh the post game interviews or any video clips or highlights but uh Garrett Cole he uh, he put on his uh his agent's company's hat. Uh, Scott Boris is the one who represents him and uh, oh, in a post game interview he was uh, seen wearing a Scott Boris like company, I don't know what the company is called, but he's he's wearing a Scott Boris hat. Uh and so <laughs> I think he was letting the world know that he is open to free agency. So Will most likely not come back to Houston, which is very sad, uh, and I'll, and just it, it, that 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 kind of hurts the starting rotation, obviously, because he was the you know he, he probably will win the Cy Young award, I think, uh, in my opinion. But uh, I I'm confident that the Astros will. I mean, we still have Greenkey and Verlander for next season, and so I'm confident they'll probably find somebody else off the market. Well, I think
0: with the Astros, it does put them in a little bit of a tough spot, just because. Greinke and Verlander are both in their mid-30s now. Exactly. So that's an aging starting pitching staff. And I think it was key, you talked about this when you joined me a few months ago, to get Greinke when you could lose Cole. That mm-hmm. was a big get. So I think, right. yes, they're going to be set up well. But I do think in realistically, I mean, I really only see the A's out in the West really challenging them next year so i would think this team is going to be sticking around i mean it's almost impossible for them not to with that starting lineup and that core they have of position players but i do think they're gonna have to figure out a couple of things with starting pitching now maybe you get um forrest whitley
2: right that's his name yes yes he's the i believe 2016 or 20 yeah 2016 number one draft pick
1: uh, yeah. might, might have
2: been seventeen, but uh, yeah, and so he's he high will pick, be, yes high prospect yes number he was number seventeen overall, and so he'll be and he's a high velocity guy, so he'll be making his debut I think in the spring. You'll you'll probably most likely see him in May, um, in Astros uniform in the big leagues, and so I mean we will have him, but I could also see them getting some other free agent um in the offseason maybe I think picking up a solid veteran which I haven't necessarily looked at all of the uh, Cole
0: Hamels maybe how about Cole
2: Hamels oh Cole Hamels yeah I I could see I could see him being an astro for you know for a little bit I think we we need a lefty pitcher in the rotation because all those guys are righties so yeah we do and we will also have Lance McCullers jr. back uh for next season once he because he's finally going to be healthy so we will have him in the rotation which will be good but we do need a lefty in the rotation so I think Cole Hamels would be great so I think on the Nationals' end, maybe
0: they're able to keep Strasburg. That might be, I could see him coming back just because of the history with the organization. I'm starting to think, though, what they're going to end up doing is you look at your money and you say, let's save our money. Let's be able to extend Soto. Let's extend Trey Turner. Let's try to keep Robles because you're going to have to pay those guys. I think that's ultimately what they're going to end up doing because we did see them watch... Bryce Harper walk, so I think that puts them in an interesting situation because the NL East was a tough division this year I think the Braves have every reason to be right back where they were last year, or this year I guess you could say I think they're going to be right there next year you can look at the Phillies with Joe Girardi, who knows what the Mets future is, but I think the window they had to win right now. What do you think is going to happen with in terms of Rendon and Strasburg and maybe extensions?
2: I mean, I, I don't see. I think Rendon needs a big contract of some sort. I mean, he turned down what I think a like a two hundred ten million dollar contract, I believe. And so, I mean, yeah. he, he he needs to get paid, and he certainly wants to get paid. I mean, but if you know the reigning World Series champions offer you that. And you turn that down. He he's wanting more money, and so I think he yeah. probably will end up going somewhere else. Uh, I could also, I, I really can't see Strasburg in another jersey myself. Um, and so I don't. And he's going to have to get paid a lot. I think he's he's definitely not going to be cheap. But uh, there are going to be a lot of uh, free agent pitchers kind of you know floating around the market. And so you know if the Nationals are able to maybe afford you know, another one of these pitchers so that they could maybe, you know, extend with Soto and Robles um, and, you know, some of those other guys, then I think it might be more in their interest. And I'm looking at some of the free agents right now. I mean, Bumgarner's going to be a free agent. Um, yeah. Ryu from the Dodgers, he'll be a free agent. Uh, and Dallas Keuchel even, you know, he's going to be a free agent. He's been, yeah, yeah he, he's been out there for a while. And so um, it, those are some, potentially some guys that, You know Cole Hamels and Keichel, You know you're not going to have to pay as much for those guys, and so you know it it really just I think depends how much they're going to ask to pay Soto in the future. Um, Maybe in Victor Robles, I don't know what he's what his worth is going to be to the Nationals, but it definitely depends on those two uh, players right there.
0: Yeah, I think they're building towards the future now in terms of those young guys and Carter Keyboom, one of their top prospects who came up for a little bit this year as well.
2: I know. Ab- yeah, absolutely. They'll, they're definitely gonna have to look to the future, and and even I mean, the Astros aren't. They, they have a core, obviously, with uh, Altuve going to be there for a while, and they're eventually gonna. I think they should extend Springer once his uh, contract ends in a couple years. And but the one guy that they only have most likely one year left of is Carlos Correa because uh, his contract will end next um at the end of next season. And so, but personally in my opinion, I think Carlos Correa will be a Yankee one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bold pick here, Chad. It, it is bold.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right,
0: Chad. Now the question everyone wants to know. I guess I'll give you my thoughts first. I'll flip it over to you. Absolutely. I think no question, just based on results, whether or not this was the case, The Nationals were a better team, for whatever reason, without Bryce Harper this year than with him in 2018. And there are any number of things that you could look at. They didn't have Patrick Corbin last year, uh, so they had better starting pitching. Maybe you could say that. There are a number of things, but honestly, Chad... I think that here's the great thing about baseball. You can lose (laughs) the face of your franchise. Someone could pay him 330 million and you could end up being a better team without him for whatever reason than with him. And one thought I will share, and look, I don't have any inside sources. I don't know anyone in the nationals organization who would say this and probably no one would ever say this on record, but last year, Bryce Harper had like a negative 49 defensive run saved in right field. And this year he got nominated for a gold glove. His defense was much better in Philly. So I'm not saying that it's because he's a bad fielder or whatever. A lot of people said he's not playing very hard because he doesn't want to get injured. Well, what message does that send to your team if the face of your franchise isn't playing hard because he wants to get his big contract? I think... For whatever reason, they were a better team this year without him than with him.
2: I mean, yes, it, you can even look at the numbers, and you can also even look at maybe the uh, the culture that he created. I'm not saying he's a bad dude at all. I, I personally, right. I love Bryce Harper, but I know um, there have been reports that he is sometimes maybe harder to play with. Uh, harder. He's also gotten choked by a bullpen guy before. Yes, Papelbon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do remember that. And I, and I think even a couple of years ago, he was in some type of small feud. I think with uh, it, it might have actually been Scherzer. I'm not don't, don't quote me on that, but I think uh, <laughs> he and Scherzer kind of got into a little bit of an argument of some sort. Uh, I'm I'm not really. It might have been Geo Gonzalez. I'm not really sure, but he uh, yeah he, he he's has not had the best reputation, I guess, in the clubhouse and that very. That, that you know very could have been the case, but but then you can also compare maybe him to the swagger that Juan Soto carries and has. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, they're very similar in terms of just the way they Opening carry themselves. Opening more
0: opportunities for him to be able to play every day too.
2: Yes, that that is very true, and I think and you know, Juan, hitting when, the four spot. Yes, absolutely. With with Juan Soto, you know, he is he is he played just like what they wanted Bryce Harper to perform in a World Series. I think that was Bryce Harper's dream was to be in Juan Soto's position in the World Series. And Juan Soto did it at, you know, 21 years old in three days. Like that's what it was just absurd. But I mean, but Juan Soto clearly once he made his debut, I believe the second half of last season, you know, he finally got a full season under his belt. And so he was he's definitely way more comfortable. And I think the pressure was kind of taken off um, from him this season because he did have a full season after just a little bit of experience towards the end of the 2018 season. And so he definitely was in more of a groove versus Bryce Harper you know, he was put in the fire right on the spot. I mean, everybody could remember his debut against the Dodgers. So, I mean, really, you know, I I think mentally, you know, for Juan Soto, he was placed in a better position than Bryce Harper. And so Bryce Harper has felt like that he has had to, you know, put this entire franchise on his back as still being such a young player in the MLB.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing is, what I want to make clear is what we're talking about is for the Nationals because Mm. Bryce came into Philly and injected a lot of energy into that team, seemed to have a better year in terms of playing harder in right field and had a lot of energy and seemed to have a great attitude all year. So I'm not saying this is not an indictment on Bryce Harper. It's just you look at the team, and typically when you replace a player of Bryce Harper's caliber, you're not getting Juan Soto. So this isn't okay your team automatically becomes better without Bryce Harper I just want to clarify that but for whatever reason this team won more games without him than they did with him and I think that's interesting to note
2: it, it is interesting to know and it's also just so interesting that again Bryce Harper somehow predicted that the title would come back to DC so <laughs> I don't know if that ties in with this uh phenomenon of anything but it it is all just kind of funny but uh, and, and I know Bryce Harper is I, he he was definitely very happy for the city of D.C. because he spent you know his first what six or seven years there. So, you know, I, he he was definitely happy for um, for D.C. So you know, no no hard feelings at all. I, I know from Bryce Harper's end at least, for sure. All right, Chad. One other main thing we got to talk
0: about, and then we'll get into a couple other fun things at the very end. We only have <laughs> awesome. a few minutes left here. So, there was a very controversial call made mm-hmm. in Game Six.
2: I, I knew you would break this up. <laughs>
0: yeah, we had to. With Trey Turner busting it out of the box, coming up the line, and he was called by rule. The rule is you do have to be in the foul territory. However, Chad, I've seen that so much more egregious not get called. Guys coming running all entirely on the grass and coming in, and I think it, it does become a little iffy. It was a really tough call to make in that spot, and I don't think it was a very good look for the casual viewer, because for whatever reason, there are a lot of people who just are anti-baseball, and it seems like whenever there's a bad call, people act like, "Oh, baseball does it worse than any other sport," as if there are no bad calls in any other sport that get bad. Um, but those people were ready to pounce, so we saw them the last two days. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right, Chad?
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, the anti-baseball crowd. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but so this incident. What's your take on it?
2: Yes. So, I mean, it's a little probably more bias uh, than I think the <laughs> general uh, take of the trade Turner play. But really, I, I mean, I just watched I, I looked back at the uh, the play just now as we were, we were talking. And I mean, it, it would have been a bang, bang play. And for me, as a former you know college baseball player and as, I was a catcher. And so I've made a throw, you know, many times similar to that. Uh, where you have to throw it you know, right on the inside part of the line. And even though the throw was made by, uh, I believe, Will Harris uh, when he was pitching, uh, he had plenty of space to throw that ball on the inside part of the uh, the baseline. But it just kind of got a little out of hand. And I think it it's just such an obscure play. I mean, really, yeah. bang, bang. I think the throw barely beat him by maybe half a step again i might have my astros goggles on too tightly <laughs> uh but i from after watching again i think the throw would have barely beaten him but at, also as a right-handed hitter um i i mean personally i was a left-handed hitter so i never had to uh, as a baseball okay. player i never faced this problem but as a right-handed hitter you have to cross you know that top ho- uh half of you know the box and everything and so naturally you know once you get out of the box um especially with trey Turner's speed he's moving down the line so quickly that he didn't really have time to veer his way back into the middle of the, uh, of the baseline. And so he really didn't find himself towards the middle of, you know, where he should have been on the right side of the back until he was crossing, you know, the plane of the base. And so it's, it's just the timing of it. which just cannot have been any, you know, such more of a perfect storm, I guess <laughs> um, with all that being said. And so, um, I, I I think they made the right call again. You know, that's I'm biased. I'm taking bias in this, but I think they made the right call because Yuli Gurriel at first base didn't have any opportunity to make that play.
0: Well, it was also just a, not a very good throw, though. Like, that, if you that, make a better yes. throw, he makes that play.
2: That is true, but I I don't think it was it wasn't the worst throw. But uh, I was gonna say, I mean, he he should have thrown it more on the inside part of the base so that Gurriel wouldn't have to be you know towards the middle of that baseline, but. But it wasn't a terrible throw. I don't think it was the worst throw that could have been made.
0: Chad, I've got a resolution to this problem. Okay. Because we should have a resolution to this problem. I like to fix problems. Here's (laughs) what I think. Maybe you just do what youth baseball does, where you have a safety bag that the... (laughs) So you have a safety base that the runner can run through, and then another base there at first for the first baseman to have his foot on and then you create more room in that situation i don't know if you want to create just a rectangle of a bag it seems more sense to have two bases one for the runner to run through and one for the first baseman to put his foot on but i think that we have evolved in a lot of ways and maybe for better maybe for worse but this league has been valuing player safety we these plays at the plate, the Buster Posey rule and the Chase Utley rule at second base. So I think this seems like the natural resolution to this problem.
2: I I wouldn't be completely against it. I think it would take a long time for you know maybe us as baseball fans or other fans and even players to get used to it. But but I do I do remember at one point I think I've I've played um, you know several games or seasons. Uh, when I was way younger, uh, when, uh, you know, with the double bag, and so you know, it it does it would eliminate a lot of those problems. But at the same time, you know, these problems are just kind of fun in baseball. <laughs> you know, it gives us content for our radio shows or our, our yeah. podcast. So I mean, you know, it, that is kind of fun, and I think you know that that's what does make baseball so special is that you know when you're looking at the NFL with you know multiple rule changes every year. You know, you can easily pinpoint these problems, but baseball—they're just kind of floating around, and and we can even talk about that with the uh, the robotic um, strike zone, or you know, or the yeah. Ro- you we'll know, have to save players. that one for another time. Absolutely, we could get into that <laughs> forever. But I mean, you know, that that is changing. You know, kind of the tradition of that baseball has, and you know, still has today. And you know, there's the, and even replay is kind of not replay has definitely helped, and I think for better you know, reasons than, than worse, obviously. But I mean, still it's where you're changing the game of baseball a little bit. And so, but again, I'm not completely against it, but I do kind of like the fun aspect of it that, you know, they could get this call wrong. So.
0: (laughs) I mean, I like the human element for sure. So I'm not into the, the robo umps or any of that stuff, but I, I think that could be a possible resolution. All right, Chad, we only got a couple minutes left here. (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to bring up from this world series or baseball in
2: general that we didn't touch on? I mean, not necessarily. I, uh, I, I we touched on so much. I think, I think more than what I expected us to talk about, but I, uh, <laughs> Good. you know, I think we should just leave the Astros, you know, losing game, game six and seven in the past. And, <laughs> and, you know, I think the Astros are on the up and up next season. I think I, I read an article this morning, uh, the Astros and the Dodgers, Again, these are very early odds and we don't know what's going to happen in the off season, but the Astros and the Dodgers currently have the best odds to win the World Series in 2020. So, and they've been in that conversation the last 3 or 4 seasons ever since they won in 2017. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's looking good um you know on you know in reports so far, but again, we have no idea what's going to happen with free agency and Cole and who anybody is going to pick up. So, uh, so we don't know, but I, I'm I'm positive that these next two or three seasons the Astros will still be in World Series and ALCS contention.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to look out for. I just really hope it's not a freezing cold stove this winter <laughs> again. I don't want right. to turn on hot stove on MLB Network and have Harold and Maddie V just saying like, oh. We've got nothing to talk about today. <laughs> we got some meetings set up. And uh look, here's what this guy posted on Instagram. It's his Christmas tree. <laughs> right. I mean, I, you, I want some news.
2: Yeah, which was so shocking the last off season because we had literally what Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, two two huge names that were in free agency last year and then, you know, nothing happened until like you know the end of March <laughs> so
0: and in Kimbrel and Keichel's case nothing till the middle of the season a- exactly
2: so you know I really hope not to see that I mean again yeah I mean you have in terms of pitching Strasburg Cole Madison Bumgarner Ryu you you have a lot of guys out there and so I'm hoping you know the pitchers are a little more of a hot commodity because they can they can, teams can afford to sign them for you know two three-year deals and pay them 15 million a year and so, and that's definitely more affordable than these big mega contracts from Harper and Trout and and Machado. So, you know, I'm and pitching is an immediate co- commodity that they need anyways. So, you know, every team needs some type of pitcher, or they can always use their starting pitcher. And so, I think we will see a little more action with you know more bigger name pitchers out there in the free agency market, but. I'm hoping it's not, you know, similar offseason to last year because I remember that just made me sad as as a football yeah. outfielder. Sort of similar, it's been to you. two
0: straight winners of that now, though.
2: Right. <laughs> so, so I don't want to see another winter like that.
0: <laughs> Chad, baseball is over. It's tomorrow. It'll be November. It snowed here in Chicago today. It's sad. We're in the darkest part of the year. We're gonna have daylight savings. What's our new thing gonna be now that baseball's over?
2: I think definitely um, more in depth into college football, uh, but even college basketball will be coming up in a couple of weeks.
0: And, and so you yeah, answered that- correctly, Chad. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> For me, yes. it's college basketball. We get that in a couple of weeks, and that'll keep me entertained all the way through baseball once we get to – because that will we'll get up to the March Madness. In the middle of March Madness, we'll have baseball again in regular season form. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's college basketball. It's my number two. I love college basketball. I'll give you one reason why I like college basketball over college football, Chad. You know what I like about college basketball? Here's the thing with college football. It takes a little bit for it to heat up right now. We're in the part where we're going to have an sec, exciting sec match every single week, big 12, big 10, just great games on Saturday, but it's not always the case at the beginning of the season. You have to sit through the Alabama versus the Citadel non-conference games. And the thing with college football, with the current uh, playoff format, there's no incentive to play difficult non-conference games, but in college basketball, because of the way that that postseason is formatted, you're going to see Duke and Kansas and Kentucky and Michigan State and all those schools playing each other right at the tip-off. We get that every year. And if someone loses, okay, whatever. no Nothing, no harm, no foul. But no matter what, we're going to be entertained.
2: Oh, I mean, you know, in college basketball, it's just so exciting. Yeah, I mean, j- just, you know being in that, in an atmosphere like that, I mean, you, you get big plays, you know, every other second when really, obviously, I mean, football is a little bit of a slower game, but you know, just in terms of the game itself, basketball is so exciting, uh, in college and I, am I'm just so excited. Uh, I'm, I'm (laughs) so excited for college basketball, man. It's been a long time, you know, since, since March, I guess. So I'm, and I miss it a lot, but I would agree with you. I think, uh, college basketball is certainly my, uh, my number two sport that I like to watch. It's up there with college fo- or college football is up there with college basketball, but I think I favor a little more in college basketball myself.
0: One shining moment. <laughs> 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 so Chad, uh, you did an excellent job today. Last question I have for you. And then I want to, we're going to talk up your podcast oh, real quick and we'll get no you need out of to. here.
2: Well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chad, what do you think of Kanye's new gospel album? What do you think? Mm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, I'm you know both of us, uh, Jack and myself, being you know strong in our faith, uh, being yeah. Christians. I, I I think this is so great. Um, you know, you know for anybody out there, you know Kanye is putting his gospel out there to you know share what God and what Jesus has done in his life, and it's so so hard. I think for Kanye that people don't really realize. You know, because he has, um, you know, had a past where, and everyone has this, but, you know, Kanye West has, you know, maybe been glorifying himself or other things as, um, you know, gods or different things. And I genuinely know that Kanye's heart is changed because just the way he talks now, the way he has just professed his love for Jesus, it's his heart is changed. But for other people who maybe don't share that same passion for Jesus as us, you know it's very hard for them to understand that, and so yeah. he is going to be all, all eyes are going to be on him. Uh, somebody's always going to be looking for him to mess up, or one small thing, you know, that you know, because Kanye is not perfect and he knows that, and he knows that he's going to be tempted still, and that he's going to, um, you know, someone's going to just be looking out for him for him to slip up, and it, it might happen, but that still doesn't change the fact that Kanye is now a new creation in that he has a relationship with god and so i'm i'm so happy that he did this and i'm not surprised but i'm very impressed with how strongly he has professed his love for jesus and his faith and his christianity uh i certainly love it and you know the songs aren't aren't bad either hey i I think you know there's some pretty good songs on there so uh i'm really happy that he released this and i think it was a great time for him to to put this album out (laughs) Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for me, being, I've, I've worked at Chick-fil-A for two summers. And so that's that's probably one of my favorite ones on there. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. When you combine Chick-fil-A and Jesus, that's can't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I enjoyed it. It's really cool. So good stuff there, Chad. All right. I know you got to go. So everyone check out Chad's podcast, The Cheap Seats. He hosts it with Tim Daly. It's a weekly show, not a daily show, but uh, it's a weekly show, and you guys do a great job. I want to just say, I'm going to tell you right now, Chad, I think your college football analysis that you guys do is so excellent. Really, one of the things that I like doing about this show is I don't think a lot of people listen to a whole lot of baseball talk just because... If you go to like a mainstream aggregator like ESPN or FS1 or something like that, that just brings you all the sports, they don't give you a lot of baseball talk. A lot of it is NFL or NBA, and really, I don't think you get a whole lot of great college football analysis unless you actively seek it out and look for people who do that full time and that their main thing is college football, mainly like the same type of thing going for MLB network in terms of, I love their content because it's just all baseball, but there aren't a whole lot of people that if you have one location that talks all sports that they give a lot of great love to baseball or college football. So I look forward to the college football segment every single week hearing your guys' analysis. It's so fun. I love the Hail Marys. (laughs) Uh, You guys do a great job. And I think if you like this podcast, you're going to want to check out Chad's. It is so good. Uh, It's a great supplement, especially because a supplement to this podcast or my podcast can be a supplement to Chad's podcast. Either way, you want to look at it. But a lot of my stuff, I haven't given a lot of people the good NFL or college football stuff that they've looked for every single week cuz I've been so baseball heavy so I think you should absolutely listen to both of our podcasts.
2: I, I I appreciate you um you know affirming me on that. No that that means a lot to me Jack seriously and, and I always enjoy listening to your show as well and especially that the fact that I'm on this show. So um <laughs> I got to figure out a way uh for you to join uh, the chief seats at some point. Yeah. And, and, it's just a one hour show, and so we I'd have to record you know some a segment with you. I guess you and me could could do something. and I would I would absolutely love um, to have that and so that we could post that uh, on some streaming sites and everything. So um, so yes, we well, you'll definitely be hearing more from Jack and myself uh, in the near future, uh, whether it is on uh, the Jack Vita show here or if it's on the Cheap seats or on some other show. who knows? Uh, I think you'll definitely yeah. be seeing this combo uh, in the near future. But uh, again, Jack, Jack, I really appreciate you having me on your show. I absolutely enjoyed uh, this conversation. Very productive, uh, even though my Astros did lose in the series. Um, (laughs) It it still was a great time here on the show today. Great.
0: Anything else on the cheap seats that I didn't cover? What what else should they know?
2: You, You know, if you're just listening really for a fun sports talk, it's one hour, so you can easily fly through the show. It's, it, we we try to cover you know as many of the you know broader sports topics, but then we go more in depth, uh, especially in college football. And we normally like to um, you know have our own sides and takes uh, of you know each side of a, a game, or a player, or a story of some sort. We like uh, Tim, my co-host and I. We like to uh, kind of butt heads a little bit, which in real life <laughs> I wouldn't say that that's how I am. I like to agree with you know everybody at almost any point, but. We we get out of our comfort zone, I think a little bit, and it's certainly entertaining. I think sometimes more entertaining than um, maybe factual, but uh, we do a lot of research and we work hard, and so um, it's obviously backed up a lot about I think sports knowledge. But we just we like to have fun with it, and we we really like to entertain while we're on the show yeah, Tim's a little mean to you sometimes. It, sometimes he is. and he, he knows <laughs> he, he knows I can take it. and I really appreciate you sticking up for me, jack. i I need that. <laughs> uh, you know he he knows I can take it. And I think I'm also just myself. um, I was probably more serious, I think, on this on your show, um because I know we were talking about maybe a more you know in-depth uh, story, I guess with the astros, but you know, there there's so many things about me that you could point out where oh, I could see why Tim's making fun of Chad right now. <laughs> I'm just I'm pretty goofy myself, hmm. which, I mean, you know, and, and I think it's fun. You know, I I like that. Yeah, I, it's so funny to listen to. Well, I, I love that stuff. <laughs> I really
0: appreciate that. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, so you don't have to, you're not on Twitter. Never mind.
2: I, I am not. No. Well, uh, I kind of am, but it's for oh. it's for a, a reporting class that I'm in currently at, yeah. at TCU. But um, but I, I do well, plan on about the handle then. Yes. Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter it's at C Votherine. That's V A U T H E R I N E. I don't really tweet, so that's that's another thing. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I actually do plan on uh, getting on Twitter. I think uh, in the next couple of months, uh, just to mainly build some type of sports platform. I think, or just news in general, uh, to you know, kind of share uh, with people some of my thoughts. But uh, but I, I appreciate the plug. Thank you.
0: <laughs> sure thing, Chad. All right, thank you so much for joining me. Look forward to doing something else again very soon you did a great job today chad
2: i appreciate it, jack thank you so much uh for having me again guys continue to listen to the jack vita show <laughs> um you know weekly or bi-weekly ish you know whenever he posts <laughs> seriously this is, this is some of my favorite content Well, lately cons-
0: it's been like two a week
2: it's that, been yeah, crazy th- that's what i've noticed you, you've been very busy lately so <laughs> but it's it's certainly uh it's Entertain more than just entertain me. You know, it's definitely inspired me as well. So I I always appreciate listening. So, guys, continue to listen to the show. Seriously. Well, thank you, Chad. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you soon. You as well, Jack. Thank you so much.
0: So, that does it for my conversation with Chad Vautherine. Had a great time talking World Series stuff with him. Look forward to having him on the show. Coming sometime soon, this college basketball or college football season, we will see when we get a chance to talk. Coming up on this podcast, what you can expect over the next week. I have teased this earlier. I have an NBA preview show coming out with Peter Funk. We're going to record that this weekend, and at the, I think I'm going to record on Monday night an NCAA college basketball preview show with Evan Myers. Yes, Evan is back, and Peter had the most downloaded episode of the year this year. So I'm hoping that both those guys bring their audience and we get some great listenership on this podcast. Good clicks, downloads, all that stuff. If you'd like to support this podcast, go ahead and subscribe to The Jack Vita Show on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, it helps get the word out to other people with the numbers is growing. Um, if you're able to leave a five-star rating and review, write a few kind words. That helps a ton. I really appreciate everyone who has helped out in that way. And if you haven't done so, go ahead and do so. It'd be awesome. It'd be a great help to me. And I want to thank all of you for listening. But here's the one thing I'll tell you. If you subscribe to the podcast, you are the first person who gets this podcast when it becomes available it goes to the subscribers first before it hits the apple store so that's why you want to subscribe you'll get notifications whenever a new episode is available and you will never miss out you'll always know whenever there's fresh content available for you the listeners all right thank you so much everyone for listening to our podcast episode today hope you have a great weekend stay safe uh hopefully it doesn't get too cold and have a great time. Bring in the dancing lobsters.